0: Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern co Thank you for joining us. I'm uh, taking a little liberty today. The next session, we'll move back into what is a family, and I hope you're enjoying the material we're offering at this time when family life is changing, isn't it? It's changing every day in every way, and so is our culture. So today, I want to do a one thing that I read this, and I thought, oh, everybody needs to know this how to freeze food. And you're saying, what is how to freeze food have to do with anything? Well, I was thinking about how much more we need to be ready for all things. We've just been through this. Is there enough toilet paper? Is there enough food? How much peanut butter can you have? There was no rice on the shelf. And my husband and I were living in a 400-square-foot apartment. There wasn't any place to buy anything. The only thing I bought, literally, um, was about five jars of peanut butter, And we don't even like peanut butter that much. But I thought, well, if all else fails, we'll have peanut butter. But I found this article, and it said how to freeze every type of food not to lose the fresh taste. And I used to teach organization, and I taught kitchen organization and closet and bedroom. And the kitchen is such a complicated place because it's a hot place, a cold place, a frozen place, a canned place, a dry place. You eat in it, you cook in it, you clean up in it. And this just went straight for the freezer. And I've always said personally, there are two things in the kitchen that I would fight to hold on to. And one is my freezer. And the other is, in the years I've been privileged to have a garbage disposal. So here are the guidelines. Freeze food while it's fresh. Don't wait for, you put it in the refrigerator, you decide not to eat it, and then, oh, I think I'll put it in the freezer. No, plan to put it in the freezer. And then freeze food in freezer bags or freezer paper. And I love the freezer paper. Sometimes I double up. I put them in a freezer bag, and then I put the white paper. Now, why do I like the white paper? Because when I open up my, my freezer, it's all lined up, and it's all white paper. And in my marker, I've written what's on it. Because like you, I put something in there that was sort of red. Or sort of green and then it froze up and it all looks brown. And I can't always remember what's in it. And the bags, you can write on them, but this is cleaner and clearer and it doubles up. And then label and date the frozen food. That's all. It's pork, it's lamb, it's fresh broccoli, and what date. And then set your freezer temperature no higher than zero. Food freezes slower at high temperatures and leading to larger ice crystals that can rupture its cells and damage the texture of food. Have you ever had that? You open it up and you think, why is this thing so full of ice crystals? Well, I've done that. And that's because, as my husband says, everything should be on high or more or louder. You know, I always go there. So if the freezer zero is good, let's go to four instead. So I put everything back to zero don't load lots of not yet frozen food into the freezer at the same time and that one is a really important ingredient because it it helps if you freeze things separately one of the things i learned to do was like meatballs i don't know about you but we love meatballs i make a great meatball soup we like meatball in gravy we like meatballs we like meatball sandwiches so i make meatballs i make a bunch of them at one time in the soup recipe Calls for a little walnut shape. So I make a whole tray of those and then I put them right in the freezer and they sort of flash freeze them before I put them in a Ziploc bag. Then I put the Ziploc bag and the paper in and they'll last for a very long time. And then defrost the food in the refrigerator. I know we're in a hurry. We defrost it sometimes right in the microwave. And a lot of us have microwaves that have a manual defrost on it. There are some very specific things about poultry and red meat and freezing vegetables and freezing fruits. And I'm not going to go through all of that. If someone's really interested in it, um, I'll make a copy of it and put it up online. But I did want to say that poultry, whole birds, Um, don't stuff them before you freeze them and wrap them separately. Put your thighs together, your legs together, your white meat together, because recipes call for different things. And then the same with red meat. If there's a red meat sale, buy up as much as you can, but get it ready and prepared to put in the freezer so it stays fresh and will be ready for you when you need it. Well... Okay, if you say, who is that crazy woman? It's okay. It's just that every day in every way, we need things to help us go along the way. And as I said, I've taught these things. I've lived by them. But here we are in this new house, and I had that freezer jacked up to whatever the coldest it could be. And here was a good article to reinform me. The second thing I want to talk to you about today is faith or politics. Which one comes first? Faith? Or politics. Politics or faith. And this, of course, is a very political season. And that uh, you, like me, um, on this day that we are recording, are waiting for the results of the presidential election. And I've been thinking so much about the rancor that's been around our country and in our relationships So today I want to do two things. The first thing is I want to tell you a brief story, a true story, about two men who are quite famous in this country who live in the theological world. They have been friends since college days and they are in their early 70s. And they have agreed on much in their life. One of them has had a severe, intentional, holy... Devotion to being gracious. And I have seen him brilliant, Uh, brilliant. He has a brilliant mind. Information, data, facts, he absorbs it and he has it. And he has a strong set of convictions. And I have seen him on a stage with three or four other individuals and they debate and the, and the other debaters can say caustic, even unkind things. And this guy, I've watched him, and I, I, I want to get up and punch their lights out. I just want to go, you know, like my friend says, I want to rip their faces off. Like, why talk to someone like that? But he is steady and steadfast. And he and this friend, who have been friends for 40-plus years, had a disagreement during this election, had a disagreement. And his steadfast approach to it was a public letter describing how much he valued his friend and how much he valued his friend's right to have these thoughts. And they agreed to disagree because of this man's graciousness. I'm awed by that. I have been awed by it, wowed by it for all the years I've known him. And I had the privilege of saying something to him via phone just this last two weeks. What, what makes a person that gracious? Did he wake up every morning and say, I'm going to be a gracious person. I've done this. I'm going to be a gracious person. I'm going to smile today. I'm going to smile a lot today. I saw someone on television during the election time and I thought that woman never stopped smiling and she was so pleasant. I thought that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do you ever have that? You have like all these little ideas. Well, I think what he did is, um he basically followed a quote by a French poet, essayist. Ah, we don't even use that word anymore, do we? Essayist. Do you know what an essayist is? Someone who wrote essays. Not books, but essays. I have a wonderful book of essays by Tom Howard. If anybody wants to know what that is, write me and let me know. I'll give you the exact title of it. Essays. Essays are things that are short subjects that we feel strongly about. And this guy, that's what he did. And this is his quote. Everything begins in mysticism and ends in politics. So Donna, what is mysticism? That sounds sort of voodoo-voodoo. It, it does, doesn't it? When you use, It's not a word we usually use. But a mystic is someone who seeks complete self-surrender in the deity, God, the Father, the Trinity, absolute spiritual comprehension and contemplation. Not just from your eyebrows up. How many times have you heard me say that? Information is great. It's from your eyebrows up. But a mystic is a person who has from his eyebrows up and from his eyebrows down in his heart, in his soul, in his gut, he understands. And he says that everything begins there and ends in politics. And I read that and I thought that's it. So we begin in faith, not in politics. We begin in the Trinitarian flow, not in the party or the person. We begin in the heart, the heart of mutual love, of transforming love, of centered love. And then I just read and looked at a few things about the life of Jesus. And when I read through this, I made a a note here on my yellow pad what did Jesus reveal to us about being a mystic and how he handled the daily, the daily grind, the going to work, the, to being on welfare, the checks not arriving, the banks being closed, there not being enough toilet paper? How did he handle all of those daily political, well, a lot of political, theological, political issues in the day that Jesus walked on earth? Well, he is revealed fully in love. Fully in love, which is what faith is all about. It begins in the heart, it begins in mutual love, transforming love, centered love. He loved his enemies, he had a nonviolent response. He did not judge people, but he was willing to condemn religious hypocrites. By, by condemnation in that, one, he was God, and two, he didn't go their way. He had compassion for the poor, and he tells us that the poor will be with us always, which means we must have compassion always. He had disregard of social boundaries. He He talked to the leper. He had the prostitute. He let the woman pour oil on him. He 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 had disregard for social boundaries, for political favors, for political parties. He advocated on economics that helped the oppressed. And he followed God. He followed God straight to the cross. He followed God straight to the cross. Who is the singer of that marvelous song? He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called 10,000s of thousands of angels. Help him off the cross, but he didn't. He trusted God because he was a mystic. God Himself shows and reveals to us that He began in faith. So, as I was processing all that, I went to Isaiah 55. Oh, I want so to read the entire chapter to you, which I'm going to do. 13 verses of Isaiah 15, and all I'm going to do is give you what I think is a brief outline of the 13 verses that have to do with this faith first, politics second. Faith first, everything else second. And as we're going through this time of, um, what is it, disrepair, disregard, fear, a wondering, a feeling of a lack of equilibrium, I feel it too. We all feel it. What's going to happen next? Who's going to be in charge next? Is it for four years? Is it going to be longer? What, all of these questions that we have, and here in isaiah fifty five and the only thing I want to say about the book of Isaiah is that chapter fifty four changes. Yeah the whole movement of Isaiah. And then comes this Isaiah 55, which is really an invitation to abundant life. Verses 1 through 3. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me and listen. So Isaiah 55, the first movement is that we are called to listen. We are called to listen. Two times he uses this this word, listen carefully. Come and listen, incline your ear to me. And it goes on. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast love for David. See, I have made him a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you." And these verses, these three verses here, three, four, and five, are all about the assurance of God's love for us. Uh, uh, Yes, it feels uneasy. uneasy. It's, It's not a straight line. It's not solid. It's who knows what's going to happen next. And yet he says, listen and be assured of my love. And then verses six and seven, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways, on the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, that he, he may have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Not, not to the people in your world, not to the entities in your world, but to the Lord. He says, "Be assured of, listen to me. Be assured of my love, and then repent." I talked to you a few weeks ago about those three important words, life-changing words to me, love, lament, repent. And there we are. We're matching, we're matching science and theology again because now there is new science that said, when we repent, we physically get better. Ha! Who knew? oh Jesus, (laughs) here all along we've been struggling with why should we repent? I mean, after all it was his fault, not my fault. Well, she did it. I didn't do it. Why should I repent? Why you should repent? Now science is saying it's good for you. Now I have to tell you that I get a little snarly about that. I think, oh Lord, do I want to repent because it's good for me or do I want to repent because it's good for you? But the scripture is very clear to tell us that When we love and have his assurance of love, we know who he is, that repenting will be easier, and we have the confidence of his forgiveness. And then, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. And these verses may be some of my favorite verses of the scripture. How many times I come to this, I, I don't know, millions of times. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I think I link those to the Proverbs three, four, five, 5, and 6, when I'm not to lean on my own understanding, I'm not to lean on my own thoughts. Yes, I have thoughts, I have too many thoughts, my husband would say. Slow down the brain, stop thinking about everything, rest. And rest certainly in his thoughts. I can live his thoughts because his thoughts are pure. And then, Verses 10 For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the things for which I sent it to do. It will succeed. His purpose will succeed. He knows what the best thing to do. Be in your faith. Have your faith in him and then add politics to it. And lastly, 12 and 13, for you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace and the mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn coming up in the cypress, instead of the briar, shall come up the myrtle. It shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the call to live in joy and peace. You shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. I don't know about you, but I watch a lot of channels when I'm watching the news and the day after the election, I turned on the television four times and watched about 20 minutes each time. And each time I wound up feeling this angst about, well, the numbers and the statistics are terribly interesting, aren't they? And for a non number person, I'm overwhelmed with them. But I came back to this notion that I shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. not, Not disharmony, not anxiety, not lacking in harmony with my neighbor and friends. I will be like my friend whose model is graciousness, and that is the model of Christ in me, informationally from my eyebrows up and from my eyebrows down, mystically. It's a mystery, isn't it? But it is a deep understanding what it means to go out in joy and come back in peace. And I pray for you during these days of unrest and unknowing that Isaiah 55 will be a treasure for you to go back to and remind you that you are to listen to him, that you are to receive his love and affirmation, and in the end you are to go out with joy and come back with peace. I'm thankful for you. I pray for all of you who listen to us, some of you by name, all of you by the grace of God, that he would restore you to a complete and full union with him.